0: Hey, this is Pastor Bob Steven, lead pastor at Pursuit Church SA, and this is our podcast. Listen, would you take a minute to share and subscribe to this podcast? Also, we would love to connect with you, so please visit us at PursuitChurchSA.com or on any of our social media pages. Now here's this week's message. We hope it blesses your life. You know, there's a lot going on in our world right now. I referenced some of that during our communion message today, and our attention certainly for this past week has certainly been on the terrible and bloody conflict that's going on in Israel right now. You see, the land of God's covenant people has come under attack yet again. It's been under attack for thousands of years, in case you didn't know that. This is not a recent development. Maybe you've been watching and you've seen scenes of terror, of tragedy, of tears, and of the fears that war can bring. You know, there have been many videos that you've probably seen, like I have over the course of this last week. But there's one video that I saw that just kind of has stuck with me. It's a video of about a five- or a six-year-old Jewish boy. In the video, he's saying, in his native language, I am calm, I am calm, I am calm. And yet he's crying and shaking as he's saying that. And so off camera, somebody asked him, who's telling you that you're calm? And he responds, Elohim. Elohim. Elohim is the Jewish name for the all-powerful and supreme God. Elohim is the God of Israel. He's also the same God that we call Father, same God, same God. You see in the Bible, God is referred to with many different names, and each of those names refers to the same God, but each of the different names speaks to a different part of God's character, something about him that he is to us. Remember way back in Exodus, he told Moses, I am... Moses was like, I am. No, I am. Whatever you need me to be, I am. That's what God was telling Moses back then. He referred to himself as I am. Wow. And for this little boy, Elohim in that moment was the God of calm and the God of peace. You see what he's providing for that little boy right now is peace in the middle of a war-torn situation. For that boy... He is the God of Shalom. He is right now the God of Shalom. I'd like to share with you another name that God goes by. It's called El Shaddai. In Hebrew, El Shaddai means several different things, but one of the things it means is the God of enough. Another way is a God of sufficiency, God of enough. As we continue here in week three of Fear Not, I want to focus today on a fear that I think many times we encounter. And that is the fear that we're not enough. The fear that we're not enough. That fear comes mainly from our own insecurity, right? The fear of not enough might sound like this. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this loss. I don't know if I have what it takes to get through this. I don't think I have enough skill, enough talent, enough fill in the blank. I'm here to tell you that with God, you are enough because he is the God of enough. To share or illustrate this story, I want to talk about a story found in the Old Testament in the book of Judges. It's the story of a man named Gideon. Now, if you've ever stayed in a hotel, you might recognize that name Gideon. There's a Gideon Bible in the table right next to the bed in case you've never opened that up. So you might recognize the name Gideon. Let me tell you what's really crazy. God put on my heart several weeks ago to preach about Gideon long before what's going on in Israel happened is happening right now. Several many weeks ago, God put on my heart, then in this series, to preach about Gideon. The full story of Gideon can be found in judges chapter six, seven and eight. Now check this out. In chapter 6, verse 4, when, when it's not on the screen, but I'm, your homework assignment, because I'm only talking about some of chapter 6, 7, and 8. Entire books have been written about Gideon, okay? So your homework assignment, go read the entire account, and you'll fill in and see even more details. But one of the coolest things that I noticed when I was preparing, verse 4 specifically mentions the city of Gaza as a city that was impacted in Gideon's time. In fact, Gaza is the only actual city that's named in Gideon's story. For those of you that may not put two and two together, Gaza is the very place that the conflict is going on today. It's part of Gideon's story as well. Let me give you a little bit more background, though, about what's happening in Gideon's story. First, the setting, as we said, is in Israel and Gaza is part of where our story takes place. And it happened about three, a little over 3,000 years ago. So what's going on literally right now in Israel, in Gaza, was playing out in Gideon's time 3,000 years ago. Very similar circumstances. See, back then, there was a terrorist group called the Midianites. And they were coming into Israel. They were raiding Israel. They were taking their livestock. They were taking their crops. Today it's Hamas. Back then it was the Midianites. The exact same thing was playing out over 3,000 years ago with Gideon. And as you might imagine, there was great fear in Gideon's land at that time, just as I'm sure there's great fear right now in Israel with what's going on. Now, during that time in Israel, they were ruled by judges, hence the name of the book in the Bible, Judges, because that's the period that Israel was in. They were being led and directed by judges. Gideon was one of those judges. Now, the job of a judge was to lead the people in the way that God said. However, the people, and even the judges themselves, would often go off on their own, disregard how God was calling them to live, right? Sound familiar, any of you that know the history of Israel? It's, it's a cycle. Righteous, fall away, you know, completely fall away. Then finally God gets a hold of them and they come back, right? That, that whole kind of circle. Well, they were in the middle of the cycle at this point where they were falling away from God. They were not listening. They were doing their own thing. They were worshiping other idols. They were doing all kinds of stuff, okay? And it's, that's the scenario we find the story of Gideon. Gideon was scared. His family was scared. His entire people were scared. Fear was literally running rampant with them and in them. But here's the beautiful thing. God showed up to show Gideon and his people that he was still enough. That's the beautiful part about Gideon. El Shaddai, the God of enough. Man, there are so many, <laughs> I could probably preach five or six sermons easily just from Gideon's one story. There's so much, there have been books written about Gideon's story, okay? We're going to laser focus on a few today, okay? And I want to focus on three things, and we're going to get to those things here in just a minute. But there are three things that we need to remember when we're battling the question of, the fear of. Am I enough? Am I enough? Let's begin by reading in Judges chapter 6, verses 11 through 16. It says this, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth, which is a tree, at Ophrah, and belonged, which belonged to Joash the Abysrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you. O mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of the Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Just in this passage, there's two very important things that we need to see that God was trying to show our brother Gideon, <laughs> that you and I need to remember in battling our own fears. The first one is this. We need to face our fears. We need to face them. You see, human psychology tells us that we have basically two responses when the emotion of fear comes up. Perhaps you've heard of them. Flight or fight, right? Have you ever heard of that? That's, that's the reaction that you have to The fear of emotion. You either run away or you fight it, right? Another name for uh, running away is, or, or, you know, the flight is called running and hiding. And it's been going on since the beginning of time. What was Adam and Eve's reaction when they feared God's reaction after they ate the forbidden fruit? It says what? They ran and hid. They ran and hid. But the, here, let me tell you something, man. Here's the beautiful thing about the God that we serve. When we're like teenagers and get mad and just run off to our room and pout, God comes looking for us. He doesn't just leave us in our room to pout. You see, God went after Adam and Eve, didn't he? He said, Adam, where are you? God knew right where he was, by the way. And God always knows where you are, too. But he said, Adam, where are you? He sought him out. Adam was trying to hide. God said, you can run, but you can't hide, right? We see the same thing with Gideon, right? Gideon was trying to hide in a wine press. He was hiding in a wine press. My friends, God ran after Adam and Eve. God found Gideon, and God will find you. God will find you even in your disobedience even in your shame, even in your fear, God will still come looking for you. I want you to know that God will still come looking for you. And when he finds you, and he will find you, then he's going to give you the courage to fight your fears, just like he did for Gideon, and not just run from them. You see, at some point, in order to live the victorious life that God is calling us to live, my friends, we're going to need to face our fears. We've got to face our fears. We've got to learn to fight against what scares us. And I know that sounds scary. Gideon was scared. Gideon was scared. But at some point, we got to quit running and hiding. We got to face our fears, but we need God to do it. You see, God finds Gideon in a wine press trying to process wheat He was in a place he didn't need to be because he was running from his fear instead of facing it. Now, here's the problem with processing wheat in a wine press. It don't work. You see, in order to process wheat properly, you have to do it out in open spaces. You can't effectively process wheat in a cramped little wine press, which is where we find Gideon because he was hiding, because he was scared, because he had fear right? And here's in essence what the angel of the Lord is telling Gideon. Hey, come on out into the open space. Come on out from the wine press. Come on out from the dark place that you're in. Come on out into the light, and when you do, I'm going to help you face your fear. That's what he told him. I'm going to help you face your fear. You don't have to do it by yourself. When you are scared... What's your dark place that you might tend to go to? Is it your closet? Just stay in bed all day with the covers over your head? Some other dark place you go to, an addiction, a habit? Come on. Gideon's dark place was a wine press, but we have dark places that if we're not careful, we're going to go to instead of letting God take us to the open space. Let God bring you to the open space. Because in the open space, light can be shined down. And it's the light of the world, Jesus Christ, that can actually bring help and healing to us. You see, Gideon didn't have Jesus. Gideon didn't have the Holy Spirit. He actually just needed God directly. But we actually have the Holy Spirit once you accept Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit to battle with you every minute of every day. Jesus said, I'm going to leave you the comforter, and he will never leave you. You see, we already have that. Gideon didn't. Have it. Gideon needed a little more assurance. My friend, the beginning of conquering our fears is to let God help us face them. That hard conversation that you're dreading, that relationship that you know isn't good for you, that new assignment you've taken on. These are all situations where we can tend to ask ourselves, can I do this? How do I do this? Am I enough? Do I have enough? To meet these challenges, the first step is to come out of that wine press. Come out of that dark place and let God help you face your fear. See, because God, just like that little boy, He can give you calm even when you're crying. Come on now, you gotta get that. God can still give you calm even when you're crying. Let God help you face your fear. Because the next thing he's going to do is exactly what he did for Gideon, and that's this. He showed Gideon, and I want to remind you, that you actually have more than you think you have. You have more than you think you have. You see, notice how Gideon started the conversation once God called him to be brave and to move out. He started to rehearse all of the reasons why he couldn't. You know what rehearsal is, right? You're, doing the, you're repeating the same thing over and over and over again. I wonder how long Gideon had re- been rehearsing that little speech he gave to the angel of the Lord. How, how long in, in his own mind had he been rehearsing? I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. My family life is terrible. I can't possibly do what you're asking me to do, God. I've just got too much coming against me. Because that was Gideon's answer, basically. He started telling the angel all the reasons he couldn't do it. wonder how long he'd rehearse. I wonder what we're rehearsing. What are we rehearsing in our mind? You see, God does not focus on what we think we are not. That's not God's focus. He doesn't focus on what we think we are not. God is a God of possibilities, not so much the problems. Because he's actually already given us the answer, right? God's not not too as concerned about our problems as he is about the possibilities. And that's what he was doing with Gideon. You see, Romans 4.17 reminds us that God has the ability to call things that are that currently are not. Think about that. God alone has the ability to say, you, Gideon, are brave. Even though that was the furthest thing. Was Gideon brave? Nope. He, he really, and it certainly in his own mind, he wasn't, he wasn't brave. But God was pointing out the possibility He was pointing out, look, you've got more here than you think you have. You've got more going for you than you think you do. Was God aware of his weaknesses? Is he aware of yours? Yes. Is God aware of your trauma? Yes. Is God aware of your feelings of inadequacy? He most certainly is. Does he know about your jacked up background? Does he understand your fears? You better believe he does. God's numbered every hair on your head. He knows about them. But the difference is he's not going to let us stay there because he wants us to see the possibilities. You see, God doesn't let our problems limit his plans. God does not let our problems limit limit his plans for our life. He's reminding Gideon of that right now, and I'm reminding you of the same thing. Your problems don't disqualify you. Your weaknesses don't disqualify you. In fact, Apostle Paul would go on to say, it's actually in my weakness that God can do his best work. That's the same for you and me. It's in our weakness that God can do his best work. So when when Gideon heard those words... The Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. His first reaction was not, yeah, I'm your guy. I'm good. That's not what he said, is it? Gideon didn't even think of himself as a man of valor, but God knew that he was. God had to show Gideon that he already had more than what he thought. The apostle Paul suffered with kind of the same mindset for a while took God a little while to get a hold of him, but this is what the Apostle Paul said about his own inadequacy. This is what he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. This is how he felt. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. When I was preparing this. I Mention that line to Pastor Ken reminds me of Popeye. I is what I is. But that's what Paul's saying. That's all good and fine. If I let my previous life define me, I'm sunk. But the good news is, now I am what I am because of Christ, is what Paul is saying. On the contrary, I'm sorry, he says, I am and I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I but the grace of God that is with me. It took Paul a minute to see it, but eventually he came to understand that he had more than he thought at first. God's grace got him through. It took God some time also to convince Gideon, but eventually Gideon saw that with God's help, he could become the brave warrior that God was calling him to be. You have more than you think you have the power of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God. In Christ, you have all of those already. All you have to do is grab onto them. You have more than you think you have. When you have that feeling, I'm not enough, I don't know if I can do this, you actually already have more than you think. You have more than you think. Those are the things to remember when the fear of not enough comes knocking at your door. I want to show you one last thing that God showed Gideon that I think is so important for us. It's found in the seventh chapter of Judges. First, we're going to read verses two and three, and then verses five and seven. So verses two and three say this, the Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hand. Lest Israel boast over me saying my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is faithful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. Now skip down to verse 5. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go every man to his home. What's God trying to show Gideon here? What's he trying to show us? You see, Gideon starts with 32,000 men. Then God takes it down to 10,000. Then God says, no, it's still too many. Let's get down to 300. By the way, the army that they were getting ready to face had over 120,000 people. Think about that. 300, God says, get in you and 300. We're going to handle that 120,000. All right. Man, there's so much to learn from this. But here's the last thing I want to share with you today that we can learn. You don't need as much as you think you do. You don't need as much as you think you do. First of all, you have more than what you think, but you also don't need as much as you think you need. Because here's what happens with fear. Oftentimes, we get fearful. We become reluctant to take any action until everything lines up. All right, well, when this happens, then I'm going to take some action. When this lines up, when the circumstances are perfect, well, then I'll step out and address my fear. Doesn't work that way. You don't, you don't need as much as you think you do. See, we're so unsure to try things that we seek surety in the details. Now, there is certainly something to be said for preparation, right? Proverbs is full of, of you know, warnings like prepare and do things, you know, plan it. Okay, there's a place for that. But when facing our fears, we can't be held hostage by waiting for everything to be perfect before we do something. Because you remember one of the consistent themes we've had in this series about fear is that fear can do what to us? It can paralyze us, right? So number one, the fear itself can paralyze us, but then, you know, the old paralysis by analysis can also paralyze us, right? We, we can just be waiting for so many things to line up, so many things to line up. Well, there's a good chance that all the things aren't going to line up. I mean, this is life on Earth. Okay, this we live in an imperfect world, and if you're waiting to face your fears for everything to be perfect, you may be waiting a long, long time. And that's really what God was trying to share with Gideon here. It's like, I know you think you need this giant army. Gideon had a plan. Gideon had a plan. But here, here's the thing. Let's let's analyze this for a minute. Gideon's pl- thought he needed this large army to go defeat right. 30, so if we do some math, started with 32,000. Okay. Well, because he listened to God, he found out right off the bat that 22,000 really didn't have the fight in them. For being honest, you want 22,000 warriors that are going to be scared, that aren't going to do what they need to do when the battle comes. No, he did Gideon a favor, right? Because Gideon listened to God. Right off the bat, he found out. Well, 22,000 of these people don't even want anything to do with this right? So, that, so could he have won a battle? Maybe. Maybe. But let's go to the next one. So now he's down to 10,000. Could he have possibly won the battle with 10,000? Maybe. But what did he find out by listening to God that 9,700 of them didn't have the sense to put their hand in the water first instead of sticking their mouth and their nose in an untested water source? 300, only 300 people had sense. When you're going into battle, you need people that are brave, and you people have some sense. You see, that only happened, though, because Gideon listened to what God had to say. He didn't just go off on his own, trying to make his own plan happen. And so God ended up giving him 300 men who would do battle, who would join the fight, and who had some sense. But what was most important to God was assuring Gideon that he was going to be with him personally in facing his fears. God himself was going to be the one who gave him the victory over the Midianites. And the victory, my friends, happened. It happened with just 300 men, trumpets and torches. I almost called this sermon trumpets and torches. I almost, I was this close to calling it that. Because that's actually all these men had in their hands. 300, I want you to envision 300 men, and, and when you go do your homework assignment, you read Judges 6, 7, and 8. You're going to see what I'm talking about. They stood at the top of the hill in their left hand. They had the torch. In their right hand, they had a trumpet. And on the command, they were, blew the trumpet, and then actually the torches were in a glass kind of jar, and they busted out the torches from the glass jar. And what happened was the enemy, the Midianites below, were so scared they thought these 300 men were probably 3 million. They were so scared that they actually started killing themselves. They started killing each other. They started killing each other. Jojo, if you want to count. So you see, God provides victories in ways that we could never even imagine. Who, who would have thought that's how God would do it? Right? 300, how are you going to do 300 and 120,000? Okay, they're just all going to kill themselves <laughs> because they were fearful. Ooh, that's, there's a whole sermon right there in about how you process fear. Gideon processed fear with God. These folks processed fear without God. And because of that, they didn't really see the truth of what was going on. They didn't realize there was only 300 of these guys. They thought, for all they knew, it was 3 million. God's amazing in the way that he gets things done. Wow, it's amazing. Because Gideon listened to God and let God lead him through his fear, God gave him and the people of Israel, and this is important, a lasting victory and not a temporary fix for their fear. You see, had Gideon just, again, if he had taken the 32,000, might he have won part of the battle? Sure, maybe. If he had taken the 10,000, could he have done something? Maybe. But I'm here to tell you, if he had done that, he wouldn't have permanently fixed this fear of the Midianites. But let me show you how the story ends. It's found in chapter 8. It says, So Midian was subdued before the people of Israel, and they raised their heads no more. And the land had rest for 40 years in the days of Gideon. Wow. Now that's a lasting victory. That's a lasting victory. My friends, today let El Shaddai, the God of enough, meet you and help you with your fear. That thought that maybe somehow you're not enough, that you don't have what it takes. Let him find you in your dark place and walk with you into the open space and help you face your fear with him right by your side. Let God show you that you already have more than you think you do. And finally, remember that you don't have to have everything perfect. Your life doesn't have to be perfect. Everything doesn't have to be lined up for you to take some action and let God help you conquer your fear. Take some action. Do something. I declare that. I believe that. And I say that to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, oh God, we come before you. El Shaddai, our God of enough. God, we thank you for who you are. You are all that we need when we put our trust in you. Because, God, you have said that you will never leave us or forsake us. So, God, thank you for being with us in the dark when we fear. And for calling us out into the light, into the open space, to help us face our fears with you. Father, may we listen to your voice as we follow your plan for our lives and not our own. In the mighty name of Jesus.